Hello, welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast. This is our Finland preview. Dave Dunning has just got off. Oh no, he's back. That's absolutely fine. We can continue with the preview as planned. My name is Andy Bell. I'm joined by Pete Baker. I'm joined by Stuart Cherry, jumping on for this one, and Dave Dunning. And uh, we're doing this in the direct aftermath of San Marino. Well, not the direct aftermath. We've done our post, we've done our post-match show, and now we're previewing this because we're all busy over the weekend. But do bear that in mind if any players get injured, which they love to do right after we've recorded and we've left them loads of time, the maximum amount of time to pull out of this squad and make our podcast redundant. But we'll ply on with it anyway. Um, Stuart, Pete and Dave, as people who have listened to the post-match show will know, were on that show with me. You weren't. So I'm just going to briefly get your thoughts on the game against San Marino. 2-0 win tonight. Um, We had to win, but for me, and I think the general sentiment was the performance was a little bit more encouraging than even wins against Minnows under Ian Barraclough. I don't know if you agree. I think it was exactly what... It could have been a lot worse, put it that way. Um, I was very nervous going into the game. Um, great to see Charles get off, off the mark internationally. Um, you mentioned it in the pod beforehand that League One strikers is something that we've always had or a League One striker in form is something that we've always had. But it's really just nice for him to get off the mark with two really, really good goals. Um, but the balls in from Washington and then Lewis were fantastic. I think it will give um, a lot of confidence to Charles. I think it will give confidence to Lewis. It will give confidence to Washington. But overall, with a bold selection tonight, some surprise in people in the squad. I was very surprised to see Shay Charles, um, Jamal Lewis, even Connor Washington start. But overall, job done. Um, I'm sure Michael will take a lot of confidence from them uh, from the match. Only four shots on target. We created a lot more. Um, lacked a bit of clinical finishing, but we've a few block shots there as well, which I don't think go yeah. down as shots on target, do they? Like no. after the second goal, we had a real flurry of five ten minutes of pressure, didn't we? And we did, and right at the end of the first half as well. But overall, you're not going to get overly excited with a two 0 win away to San Marino, but it, it gets the campaign up and running. We've got points on the board. We've got confidence going into Sunday. Um, so overall, quite pleased. Yep, sums it up quite well. I'm going to go around everyone and just quickly tell me for this game coming up at the weekend. Obviously, it's 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 probably the biggest game of the group. It probably is the biggest game, and obviously, you know, the next game will be the biggest game if we get the result we want, and so on and so forth. But if you look at it right now, you know, Finland, Slovenia, it's a very kind draw to us. And as we've mentioned in the previews, those two teams finish above us if everyone's at their middle of the road level. But a good Northern Ireland team challenges these teams to qualify, as we've seen in the previous years under Michael O'Neill. So these home games against these nations, Finland and Slovenia especially, I would sort of highlight as the biggest games of the group. And I'm just going to go around and see where you would be and where you would stand on, on taking a point in this game, would you probably wouldn't take it, but it wouldn't be a disaster. I'm not sure if that's something that's shared by everyone. Pete, obviously Finland have lost their first game 3-1 in Denmark, as expected. You know, Denmark could clean up in this group or teams could take a few points off them. That's yet to be seen. But for this game, would a point be an absolute disaster? I think I'd come out of it a little bit disappointed. I mean, you might, you might be a touch disappointed, but... In my opinion, I think a point is absolutely fine. If you if you look at this block of games and you come away with it at four points, you'd say job done. I think our next game is at away to Denmark, which is a very tricky game. So you don't want to be going in having lost two games in the bounce. 
sorry, if you lose to Finland, for example, and then you have to go to Denmark, I think a point is enough given sort of how, I wouldn't say, well, I suppose, affected by injuries or squad is. Predominantly championship players. Finland have recently qualified for a European championship. So they'd probably be favourites going into it. I, I think a point would be more than reasonable. Um, but I think crucially, it's it's more about the performance. Can we be tough to beat once again, which we simply haven't been at home? Can we, you know, stand up to teams who are probably slightly in the tier above us, which we did previously under Michael? So I look forward to seeing if, if we can do that on Sunday. Yeah, Dave. Pete touches on something interesting there, which is the, the injuries in the squad and the sort of state of our squad at the minute. We see the substitutes we have to make tonight and I think there's what is there two debuts, a lot of young players coming on, a lot of players with under 15 caps for Northern Ireland. It's a very inexperienced squad. And of course, he does have some experience on the bench, the likes of Thompson, the likes of McGuinness to call upon. But I think that's the key thing that Pete touches on there. It is the injuries and it's the fact that, yes, if we had a full-strength Northern Ireland squad, we'd absolutely see this game as a massive opportunity to get three points at home against one of our rivals, possibly for qualification. But with the threadbare squad, I sort of fear that, well, a defeat, you know, doesn't put us out of contention, but it's a, it's a humongous blow and maybe a point and then sort of going there or playing Slovenia at home and Kazakhstan at home we've got maybe a stronger squad might be our way home or is that too pragmatic? No, not at all. Um, I think six points is a must for me. It's an absolute must. And I don't want to hear about injuries or squad depth or whatever. I get that in a standard situation, but this group presents an opportunity. A massive opportunity. We've all talked about it. We all know it. Home wins against Finland and Slovenia specifically, they are essentially your direct rivals for that second that second automatic qualifying position. So you've got to win those two home games. And then what happens away happens away. You expect everybody to beat San Marino. And then it comes down to your results against Denmark and Kazakhstan and how you fare versus those other two sides. If you can get something away from home against Slovenia and or Finland, then all the better. It puts us in a massively um, positive position, advantageous position. But I just feel like this game puts us six points ahead of Finland with two games played. From a psychological perspective, that's absolutely huge. Slovenia play, do they play Denmark? Uh, that's a good question. I'll find out for you now while you keep talking. Do you need the answer to that to keep talking? Yeah, and that was kind of my next point, yeah. <laughs> um, Let me have a look now, right? Slovenia, oh, right, let's see. Slovenia fixtures. I'm going to assume you're right. Let's see. Slovenia fixtures. They play. No, they play San Marino at home. So it. So that's almost even more significant because they will be on six points and they'll be looking at that going, guys, we're in really good shape here. Really, really good shape. So us on three, Finland on three, them on six, Denmark on six. 
what a great start for Slovenia. You know, if we're also on six points, Finland languishing behind, O'Neill's talked about building that momentum and building that belief within the squad that there's an opportunity here. So these six points for me are absolutely key. Key. I think in, in terms of that state of the group that you mentioned there, Dave, as well, like if we're in six, Denmark six, and um, and Slovenia on six, and Finland are on zero, you go into that June international break, it's already been a horrifically long and arduous season. And if you've then a psychological blow in terms of the state of the group on top of that, that's not going to do you any favours at all. And I think, Stuart, I'm somewhere in between Pete and Dave. Like, I wouldn't be, like, devastated if we get a point. I would think it's a missed opportunity. But I'm not sure it's quite as must-win as Dave's making it out. So I'm interested to see where you stand. And I suppose something that plays into that is, especially in international football, with different climates and, you know, sort of a, a, a completely different atmosphere everywhere you go away from home, home advantage is far more prominent in international football than it is in club football or European football. And even under the best days of Michael O'Neill, we've never really been amazing away from home. You know, we scrape a win against Azerbaijan. We're really poor in the Faroe Islands at one point. You know, we got good results, but we were never convincing, especially against the smaller teams away from home. And there's absolutely no guarantee we go to Kazakhstan and get a win. And that's why I think the, the Slovenia's win there today is, uh, as we record today, is, is really, really good. So if you do find yourself in a position where you draw against Finland and you don't quite get yourself over the line against Slovenia, you could find that they just get that home advantage and they press that home in those two away games. And by that point, you're out of contention and you haven't even really made much of a fight of it. So I can certainly see the the argument that this is essentially a must-win game as early as it is. I think it's a must-win, but it's you can argue it's a must-win, but it's an absolute must-not-lose. Um, if you look at the, the campaigns that we've had in recent years, in 2016, um, we had five home matches. We won three. We drew two. Um, in 2018 qualifying, we won four out of five and lost one to Germany. And then for the qualifiers for the Euros in 2020, um, two wins out of four and a draw against the Netherlands. It's only Germany in those two campaigns that we lose to. The point Good being, performance against Germany as well. Very good performance. And I say if Washington had a shooting boots on, it would have been slightly different. And if Davo hadn't missed the penalty against the Netherlands, that would have been three wins out of four. The point being, we have to win our home matches. If you want to have any chance of qualification, you have to win your home matches. And that's when you're talking about the Tier 1 nations as well as the Tier 2 nations, which we have in our group. We talked about it in the last pod. Finland, Slovenia and ourselves are all separated by one place in the European rankings. You've got to beat those teams at home. Um, I feel that watching the highlights of the the uh, Finland-Denmark game, uh, Finland conceded two late goals, a goal in the 81st and the 90th minute. All three goals were conceded from crosses. Um, And their big man was Ant-Man, who's popped up with with a couple of three international goals at this point. So they're a team that are in and around our level. Um, Though I think, as, as Pete said, they're probably slightly above it. Um, the results probably wouldn't indicate that over the last year, but in general, they, they definitely are. Um, but if we want to qualify, we have to win. And I feel that what Dave was saying is absolutely spot on. The psychological advantage that we can get after two matches being six points 
ahead um, of, of Finland um, and probably neck and neck with Slovenia. They'll probably be behind them on goal difference. We need that going into June when who knows who's going to be available or unavailable. But you need whatever psychological boost you can get. And I know that's one thing that Michael O'Neill does very regularly with the squad, showing them tables, showing them probable tables as well as the actual tables. So we've got confidence off the game tonight. Um, and against a team that's maybe low on confidence having lost tonight. So you have to go in with that bounce. Michael's coming home. We'll be 18-odd thousand in the stadium um, Sunday night under the lights. It's set up. I'm really, really hoping um, for a scrappy 1-0. In and around our level, or slightly above our level, struck me from what Stuart was saying there, Pete, because this is the thing I always say about Michael O'Neill's first reign. In the best years of Michael O'Neill, those teams that were in and around our level or slightly above our level, we made a habit of regularly beating. You're 2-0 at home to Norway. You're 2-0 at home to the Czech Republic. Your win, or you know, your, your, your draw against Romania, you're 3-1 at home to Greece. Your win at home to Finland in 2016. You know, those, those nations who, let's be honest, in the last three years, we've come not even close to looking at the level of they were the teams we beat regularly under Michael O'Neill in those games. And it's almost as if like, this is almost the perfect group for us. If we are the similar sort of style of team to Michael O'Neill the first time around, like a a group where we've got one team running away with it and a load of teams at our level probably doesn't help, but a, a group where we've got Finland, Slovenia, Denmark, possibly just above our level will really suit Michael. Obviously we've had the, you know, we've had the debate on the pre on the post-match pod, sorry, about where this squad is compared to what he has. We know we've, you know, threadbare numbers of, of Premier League players in at the minute. But I suppose this will give us an insight into where we actually are. We can't really take anything from tonight. But if we can get a result over Finland at home, there are the results you need to get to qualify for major tournaments. It's two things you need to get those results and to get a nice draw in the first place. We've got the nice draw, and now it's time to show that we can get these results over the teams just above us. Yeah, I feel a bit bad. I think my negative attitude has been warped after the past however many years we've had of just drudgery and terrible games and, yeah, feeling a bit pessimistic going into it. I I completely get the importance of the game. I understand the significance of how well this would put us if we beat Finland, you know, leaving us joint top of the group after two games. Momentum would be high. I I think it's I think it's going to be a war of attrition almost on Saturday. I don't think it's going to be very attractive football played. Finland, I don't watch them often, but you know, in the Euros they sat back, they defended, they didn't play particularly by all accounts, they're a fairly football. pragmatic team, Pete, like us. Probably, probably a typical Scandinavian team. Um not very attractive to watch. So it's probably the type of game we could grind something out. It might be a game where a, a set piece, where a bit of thought has gone into beforehand could be the difference. But confidence in O'Neill setting up a team that will defend well, first and foremost, and then we've just got to take our chance. And as long as we're set up in a way where we can actually create a chance as well. Um, but I suppose... I've just got my head nil-nil at the minute. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't. I'd be amazed if we got something any better from it. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. 
but no, I I feel the same as you, and I I can see the you know the one nil Nations League game we had against Greece. I can just see that game yeah. play out again, and I think we are scarred from it, and we have to get over that as much as the players have to get over that, and the manager has to get over that. Um, Dave, in terms of like the the state of the group and the state of this game, there's a couple of different things. First of all, in the state of, in terms of state of the group, I don't think we can overly look too much into that. We expected to beat San Marino. They expected to lose to Denmark. So everyone's coming into this game as expected. But I suppose the fact that we do get that second goal early enough in the second half, we are able to make substitutions and manage players based on the minutes they've had this season. Whereas Finland, I mean, I haven't had a look at the substitutions they made or what they did, but you'd expect going into the 81st minute against away to the top seeds of the group, it's probably been a real arduous defensive performance where they've had to put everything into that. And I suppose we've been quite lucky in terms of how the fixtures have fallen in this group. We've had a nice early game for Michael to, to set a stall out and get a get a win and get a couple of goals. We've got Denmark right after the, um, the season's finished when they've been to the World Cup as well. But also this Finland game just seems to have come at the right time in, in terms of who we've played, but also who they've played and, and how they've done in the first game. Yeah, like I say, they're, they're probably banking the same way we are, trying when your home games. And then the two away games against Slovenia and Northern Ireland, they're the ones that might just make the difference. Will probably make the difference, let's be honest. Denmark away, top seeds, it's a horrible position to be in because you could imagine the manager sitting there thinking, I probably just want to rest a few guys here and keep them for Sunday in Belfast. But I can't really do that because I'm going away to Denmark and I, I feel like I'm obliged to play my strongest side. It's a really awful position for the manager to be in. So, yeah, the fixtures have fallen nicely and they've fallen nicely for that reason. They've fallen nicely for the momentum conversation that we had earlier on. Um, and, yeah, I think I'm not sure whether the selection is relevant tonight to the Finland game. But the thing I would say is we've talked about these teams being around our level, right? Are they? They're around an Ian Barraclough Northern Ireland level if we're talking about rankings. That's where they are. Now, I expect... But but it's a level of team that we were nowhere near beaten under Barraclough. That was a poor Greece team and they looked miles better than us home and away. Kosovo looked miles better than us uh, away from home. Certainly, we're lucky to win that home game. You know, they're the level of teams. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I still think you know, an Ian Barrett of Northern Ireland's a good bit off that, and a good Northern Ireland team challenges them and is maybe slightly above them. Well, well, that's kind of my point. We, we've looked at these games over the last couple of years, and just thinking, yeah, you know, it'd be nice to get something from a bot. We'd probably lose. Back to your point earlier on that these are the games that Ronnie was very, very good at building a platform from. And that's why I think this game is so important. This is the opportunity to almost reinstill that belief um, in the entire squad and also bring these newer players in, the likes of your Shea Charge, your Dion Charge, your Connor Bradley's that he hasn't worked with before. Um, I just feel like the worst version of ourselves, which was under Barraclough, let's be honest, is the same level as these two sides. 
I think we are now levels above that or can be levels above that under this new regime. So that's what gives me real optimism. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to lie, Dave. I think you're massively overstating our prowess there. Um, the only thing, Andy, the only thing you would say to that is Finland qualified for the Euros, okay? Had an amazing victory over Denmark away from home. And had big, they've had big away scalps in the last number of years. They've beaten the Republic, they've beaten France, they've beaten Bulgaria all away from home. They're actually more dangerous away from home if you look over the last couple of years than they have been at home. Um, but and Michael the reality is, there for a point. Let's be completely clear about it. 100%. And you back against us getting it. No, absolutely. Because we've done it before. But we were like the thickness of a post away from qualifying for the Euros that they qualified for. You know, and I, I really don't, it's so funny. If you look at their, the managerial records, is it Canavar, Canavara, their, their manager? Yeah. His record for, for Finland, 58 matches, 25 wins. Um, Michael's record for us, 73 matches, 27 wins. We've had a lot more draws in that period of time, but their win percentage is really, really similar. They are set up very similar to us. And that includes that first Michael O'Neill reign as well, where there were no wins, you know. One win in 18. But the point being is, if you you look at how they're set up, they use wingbacks as a thing that we've been doing. You know, they, their goal tonight was very route one. Keeper kicked the ball out, flick on a midfield, Pookie laid it off and that man scored. Like they are, they are direct. They'll be physical. Like, and their view is that we're going to be physical. So I think you are getting two styles of football which are not too dissimilar in, in how they play. Um, so I think it's actually going to be a really interesting clash on Sunday. And you're right to mention, Stuart, the, the, the 3-5-2 that Finland play, and they have always sort of played that under that manager. And we were having a little bit of a debate in the, well, not a debate, in the in the San Marino post-match show about whether this is going to be the, the formation O'Neill is going to play or is he going to be flexible. And you would think against Finland, he's probably going to match them up, especially seeing tonight just look good. It looked, you know, you expect it to look good, but it looked good against San Marino. And I suppose the other thing I wanted to say was, how much do you think Finland played into his selection tonight against San Marino? Do you think Michael O'Neill was purely treating San Marino with respect and making sure we get the three points tonight? Or do you think he was testing something out for Finland? Or do you think he was holding certain players back from Finland? I think Dave mentioned that possibly Thompson may be being held back. We know that Michael O'Neill uh, rates him. You know, do, do you think he just picked a team to beat San Marino tonight? Or do you think he saw these as very much a, a block of two, even though he would never say it? It's very difficult, though, if you do that, Andy. You've only you you've been out. You haven't managed the team for three or four years, whatever it is. You come back in. You have a handful of days. They met up on Sunday um, or or Monday. They probably didn't get out to San Marino until Monday or Tuesday. Get the team together. Do you have the time? You don't have the time on the training ground to pick two different elevens. Systems getting degrees of cohesion. You know, defensively. You know, my big fear on 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 Sunday night is Finland's attacking. Players, they've got so, so you four. think tonight tonight was a warm up for Finland? Get these players I, band together. I think there's a reason he picked Jamal Lewis tonight because that was a shock. I'm sure you guys talked about it earlier, but I, I, that was a surprise selection for me. But why does he pick him? Why would he ch- choose him tonight if he wasn't going to play him against Finland? That would be but my question. I don't think defensively. I'm sure we'll come on to it. That we're going to do much changing, but that's a big threat. They've got three strikers um, that in their starting lineup: Pookie, Antman, and oh god, the, the other uh, Paolo. Um, they're all dangerous players. They're all scoring an international level at the moment. Um, 
but I, 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 I think he'll make a couple of changes, but I don't know why he would set up in one of the easier matches we're going to have if he's going to make wholesale changes four days later. It's interesting, actually, and I know you did as well, Stuart, listen to the, the Finnish football show, and we've got someone on for that a little bit later on, talking about Finland from, from their perspective, but he did mention that he can't wait to listen to the English commentators miss badly mispronouncing Finnish players' names, and all I, all I want to say is, if you're listening to this, guys, God good almighty. luck for getting anything different, <laughs> <laughs> because Stuart's already butchered one there, and by the way, I'm not going to have a go at getting it any better, so uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one. His first yeah. name is Joel. I'll just do that. Joel. Joel, Joel. He's our man. Right. There we go. So quick few stats on uh, on Finland. They hold as they hold Denmark to until 82 minutes tonight. They're second in Nations League B behind Bosnia, but above Montenegro and Romania in the last in the last Nations League. And in the last World Cup qualifiers, they finished third behind France and Ukraine, but ahead of Bosnia. This time, and I think that's just sort of tells us everything we need to know about the level that Finland are going to be at. You know, they're in and around Bosnia, Montenegro, Romania, Ukraine. They're around that level. We know they're going to get to that. If they have a favourable draw, they will qualify for tournaments. But if it's a good Northern Ireland team, we can challenge them. And that's the only thing we have to wait and see um, at this moment. So uh, at this point, we are going to go with uh, an interview from the Finnish Football Podcast. Uh, Lewis Thompson is doing this for us. He has messaged me on Twitter. He is a student journalist at the University of Newcastle. Um, and thanks very much to him for doing this. He's doing an interview with Keke um, about Finland from the Finnish Football Podcast. So, um, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of minutes Well, after this chat. Um, and we'll be back to talk about the Northern Ireland team that we want to see. Last night, Denmark 3, Finland 1. Can you give me your thoughts on that, first of all? Sure, yeah. I mean... Um... We would have gone to Parken in Copenhagen trying to trying to get something, but um, and for for a big part of the game in the second half, there, Lewis, we thought we were going to sort of come away with a point, which is would have been a, a result for us. You know, I think even yourselves as Northern Ireland fans, when looking at the group, you would you would pick Denmark to be the standout team in that group. So to to take a point from them um, at their place would have been a result for us, but sadly it wasn't to be. I mean. We lined up with a, um, whichever way you look at it, it was either a 4-4-2 or a 3-5-2. It sort of transitioned as the, as the play went along. But, but yeah, it was, um, it was an interesting game, mate. We, we seemed to, the tactic seemed to be to invite the pressure and then, um, and then try and sort of try and catch them with some quick movement. But unfortunately, most of the match, the, the movement out from our back wasn't quite quick enough. And the Danes really, really were good with their, they're high press, as, as we like to call it these days. So, yeah, it was, there was a few nervy moments when we were messing about with it at the back there, mate. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Lucas Radetzky, our goalkeeper, he, um, he had an absolute blinder. I can't deny it. Denmark had, I think it ended up being nine or ten shots on target. And, uh, yeah, Lucas pulled out a few, a few saves, so sort of kept us in it at, at 1-1. And then, yeah, their, their, their quality sort of come through right at the end. I mean... Their final two goals came in the last 10 minutes. So um, we did. It's a bit, bit gutty, mate. We really did think that we might get away with a point, you know? Yeah, you just put up a really good fight um, for, the, for the duration of the game. Um, what, do you think, what do you think the problems are? Is it, is it lack of goals? Is it defensive stability? What do you think? Um, I, 
Well, a bit like yourselves, you know, like this Finland side has gone through a massive transition, you know, like um, a lot of players who got us to the previous Euro have, um, have retired from international football. Um, so there's younger players coming through. I mean, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call them problems particularly. It's just a, a, a growth that we need to go through, you know. I mean, um, our, our defence is... Uh, is um, as I said, they they they're sort of trying to draw the opposition on. So that tactic does sort of sometimes get you in trouble. But yeah, we've we've got two sort of youngish centre backs. I mean, our 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 centre back partnership for the team that got us to the Euros previously was stalwart. You know what I mean? It was first two names on the team sheet. So Rive, our, our coach, he's experimented with a few guys in there. Um, Laura Weissman and Robert Ivanov, who played last night, are sort of, I would say, the, the pick of the bunch. And, um, and they're both quite comfortable with the ball at their feet. But yeah, Denmark, Denmark sort of really were good with the press. And then, as you mentioned, goals up front. You'll, you'll be familiar with Temel Pukki, I'm sure. Yeah. He's, our, he's our number one goal threat, as you would imagine. Um, got the assist last night. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just, we like to sort of, as I said, draw the, draw the opposition on and then try and get balls in behind for Puki to run onto. And um, there was a couple last night, but yeah, it was just Denmark were just that little bit too strong for us, mate. Yeah, obviously, uh, probably the hardest game of the group will be Denmark away um, during all of the qualifiers. So in in terms of the, the group in general, you, you see yourself still um, battling for that second place, yeah? I think so, mate. Yeah, when the, um, obviously when the group was drawn, um, there's uh, everybody, as I said, everybody thought, right, you know, Denmark are, are obviously, up, despite their poor showing at the World Cup, they, um, they're the number one side. You can't deny that. And then as a Finland fan, we would like to see ourselves as the team who would slide into that number two spot. Obviously, you guys might have different ideas about that. And, um, and you know, uh, um, we do know the quality of Northern Ireland. As I said, you yourselves... Um, I think uh, your show's even named after that famous 2016, isn't it? But um, you yourselves, things have changed for yourselves since then, haven't they? So, um, so you know, I think you guys would would maybe see yourselves as the second side. I don't know how much of a threat you see you see us being, but um, but yeah, we we would like to see us as the um, as the second side in that group. Um, I think the players and a lot of the fans do believe that we can qualified in, in second spot mate yeah as you said Finland are going through a bit of a transitional period at the minute which is ex the exact same as Northern Ireland with Michael O'Neill coming back um, in charge and yeah I think in terms of the group uh, I think ourselves and most people would agree that um, Finland, Slovenia and Northern Ireland will all be battling out for that um, second place with Denmark on top most of the time so yeah it'll it'll make for a, a really interesting group I think Um. In terms of Sunday, you're you're going to the match, aren't you? Yeah, I'll be there. I'm um, I'm based in uh, based in Kent, just outside of London. So um, yeah, early morning flight to Belfast tomorrow. It's um it's quite quite handy being based here. Like um, I can pretty much get anywhere from <clears throat> excuse me from London. Whereas um, a lot of my mates who are, are based up and down the country in Finland have to go uh, via here, there, and everywhere. They're actually flying into Dublin this morning. And then um, hiring a car and making their way up to um, Northern Ireland. So, um, but yeah, I'm quite lucky. I'll be flying straight to Belfast tomorrow morning. So it'll be a few beers tomorrow, and then get ready for the game on Sunday, mate. Love that. That's a happy Saturday indeed, right there. Um, Definitely. You ever been to Belfast before? 
Yeah, I was there for the last game. Um, 2015, was it? Just looking now. Yeah, 2015, yeah. Yeah, 2015. So, crikey, eight, eight, seven or eight years ago. Eight years ago, is it? But um, that's gone quick. Front as well. Yeah, yeah. Some things don't never change, mate. But um, I think um, we were, uh, yeah, we was we was on the end of a um, a pretty uh, pretty dismal rain by Mitchell Partalan, and at that time it was it was coming to a bit of a bit of a sticky end. But um, yeah, love love Belfast. I mean, I'm I'm excited to see the Windsor Park again because at that time I think there was only only one side of it, and every, all the fans were crammed into one side. The rest of it was a bit of a building site. So. Um, See, I'm excited to be back there and obviously to see your uh, your wonderful city again and um yeah have a look around and uh, check out some check out some more pubs but you know from that that previous visit I think it was um yeah from my memory Carl Lafferty scored both uh, both goals for you guys so yeah that's how long ago that was yeah it was I mean it, 2015 saying that is eight years ago is is quite scary you're right yeah. <laughs> did get both goals indeed um in in terms of um traveling to Northern Ireland and playing that away fixture, would you see that as one of the the hardest games in the group? Yeah, I mean, um, yes, I mean, all, all, I don't think there's any good good away games. I mean, San Marino might be a bit of a cakewalk, you would hope, but I mean, you guys got a result against them yesterday. Yeah. Um, maybe you'd be looking to score a few more goals and and, and get the old goal tally up. But um, you know, I don't think. I don't think there's any there's any weak teams in international football anymore, mate. You know, international football for the um, for the, the sides like ourselves has come along an awful long way. You know, there's there's no whipping boys out there anymore. You know, so um, so yeah, Belfast away is a fixture that will obviously pose us problems. I mean, um, I said on our own preview show, like uh, you guys will be looking at this. You definitely won't want to lose this game. You know, as I said, you might you might see us as a as a little bit of a threat as one of those teams that you'll be vying with for the second second spot. But you definitely won't want to won't want to get turned over at home. So yeah, we're we're looking forward to a uh, to a tough game. I mean, um, I do personally think that that Finland tactics will will be similar. We'll probably try and invite Northern Ireland on and then try and um, try and put one over the top for Puki to run onto. I think that's. That's what you guys need to look out for, and um, and you know if 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 we are going to invite you on, you really need to have that have that bit of quality so that you can you can press and try and nick the ball off us. Otherwise, you know you might be in trouble. But yeah, it'll be um, it'll be an interesting game. But looking forward to getting there, mate. Yeah, I think it'll be a really good game. I mean, I think I can speak for most Northern Ireland fans when I say that fin- we do see Finland as a as a really tough game, um, both home and away. Um, I just want to ask you is. Apart from um, Pookie up top, do you th- are there any player, any young players coming through that you've, you've sort of got your eye on that we should be aware of for Sunday? Yeah, definitely, mate. I mean, um, the guy who scored our goal last night, Oliver Antman, he's um, that's his fourth fourth Finland game, and he scored three in those four games. So um, he's definitely one to look out for. He um, he's, he's quite versatile. He's, he's playing his football in Holland at the moment for Groningen. But um, yeah, scored on his debut for those guys this year. Um, he was played as sort of a winger, little bit of defensive duty last night as well. But um, quite a, quite comfortable in a forward role as well. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's one that you definitely need to keep your eye on. As I said, our goalkeeper Lucas Radetzky plays for Bayer Leverkusen in the Bundesliga. Had an absolute stormer last night on the back of a on the back of a cracking performance for Leverkusen against Bayern Munich the other week. So um, 
he's one you'll obviously if you're going to score him is get past him so he's um he's uh, he's he's decent in between the sticks you, a lot of northern ireland fans will be familiar with glen kamara of rangers so um so yeah he's uh, you you know northern ireland fans a lot of those are, are, are watching rangers i guess so they'll have to um, they'll know his qualities and he's one to keep an eye on he's, he's a bit of a um, his performances for the national team uh, he plays with a little bit more freedom than he does when he plays for Rangers in Scotland. So he's, he's got a bit more going forward for us. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, a, he's pretty much a Rolls Royce of a footballer, mate. So he's one to, uh, one to look out for as well. But yeah, I mean, we've, we've, got, we've got not a bad side. Um, yeah, Yoel Poyampala, he played up front last night with Pukki. He's now in Italy, um, scoring goals wherever he goes. So yeah, it's, uh, there's a few. Um, who else can I mention? One who came on last night, Ansi Suhanin. He's playing in um, Hamburg in Germany. He's yeah. a really, really good prospect. So, um, so yeah, if he gets any any minutes to, uh, on Sunday, he'll be he'll be one to look out for. That's great, mate. That is an excellent piece of um, um, insight there. And finally, just could I could I get your uh, score predictions for Sunday? Oof! Now you put me on the spot. <laughs> I mean. Um, yeah, I mean the way we play, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility for Northern Ireland to score. Um, so Would you be happy with a point. As an away game, if we came away with a point, it's um, it's it would be the very least that we'd be after. But um, I do think after we don't want to come out of this first phase with um, with nothing on the board. So yeah, a point would be would be the least we would want. But um, I think we'll be looking for the victory, to be honest, mate, um, which makes it a great game, I think, because we're, we're going to be looking for the three points. You guys won't want to get beaten at home. So I do think it will be a bit of a ding-dong. But, yeah, I'm going to say 2-1. Sorry. I'm going to say 2-1 to, to Finland. So, as I said, I can see you guys scoring. But, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we can, we can nick a couple. No worries at all. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's going to be a great game. And, as I said, um, the group overall should be really exciting as it comes to the, the closing stages. I'm just having a look at your fixtures now. I mean, yep. after after Northern Ireland away, you've got Slovenia at home, followed by San Marino at home, and then Kazakhstan. So you're sort of getting the, the tougher games out of the way, and then you can ease yourself into the group, you know? That's it. I mean, these um, these two away games come in uh, come in March because, um, yeah, that, that UEFA seems to think it's too cold in Finland for anyone else to come and play there. So... Uh, so yeah, we have to play our first games away from home. But yeah, it'd be nice to nice to get back home and a couple of fixtures. And um, yeah, obviously with our with our fans behind us in a in a full Olympic stadium in Helsinki, we we'll hope to get some points on the board there. But yeah, we're we're looking for some we're looking for some points before those um, home fixtures come round, mate. So yeah, we'll see how it goes on Sunday. That's great. Thank you so much for your time today, mate. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much to Lewis and Keke for that interview. Uh, we're going to talk about the Northern Ireland team now. And Dave, you think there may be a change of formation in the pipeline? Um, we've mentioned about Finland playing 3-5-2. We can match them up or we can try and find little intricacies there or little chinks in the armour as a team who you assume is going to come away. And they'll probably be happier with the point than we will, notwithstanding the results of match day one. So why do you think he's going to ch- change the four at the back? Um, I feel like at home, he might want to be a little bit more adventurous. They do like to get wide. And like I'm not a massive fan of a back three when 
you have a team that their general threat is their width. I feel like you might exploit their back three by playing maybe like I, I don't know where is is Gavin where is Gavin White? Where is he? Is he's he on the bench is, tonight? Okay. A Gavin White. We saw the the space that we exploited down there, their sides, especially for the first goal. Washington likes the channels. So I feel like maybe we, we make the the midfield compact. We have two you might have a Shane Ferguson, you might have a you might have a uh, a Kieran Brown at left back. I don't know. So I think there's options there. We've seen how flexible O'Neill can be with his formations. We see how he very much does the horses for courses approach. You know, it's not as we saw with Barclough. He was married to that three something, whatever. Three five one three three five, five. one McGuinness. Oh, three five McGuinness. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, he was married to that and that was it. O'Neill understands that he has a limited selection of talent to work with. And we've seen how meticulous he is. We know that he will do his research and we know that he will look at the attack and threats of the opposition, try to nullify them, look at the defensive weaknesses and try and exploit them. So I feel there may be a change to that 4-3-3. It would be really interesting to see what he would do if he had a fully fit squad and all of the personnel there that we, you know, the Steve Davis, the Shane Lavery's boys like this, where you're going and going to fit him in. It's just how I use him in this particular game. But yeah, I think this is one I think he will look at. And as I've said, six points. Let's go out. Let's attempt to win the game. This is not a, a point we'll do. And if we nick something grand, that's for Finland away, not for this. So that's where I see us going. Okay, I can, can I ask we... one point? Sorry, Andy, just one, I was going to ask, who played themselves out of contention tonight for the game on Sunday? I would say nobody. Yeah, I don't think anybody did. Nobody had a bad game. There were players mm. that were more influential than others. But like I say, it's it's horses for courses. I think you might see Shane Ferguson. I expected to see him tonight. That lineup took Could you see him on the surprise. left wing? If you're going for 4 3 3, Dave, could you see him on the left wing? Yeah. He, pr- he would also provide protection down the left hand side. He could nearly do a number on their. Right-sided wing back, but then if you put space yeah. in behind, I don't know anything about football coaching. I have no idea. You know, I'm making this up on the fly. You know, we're all experts sitting in the pub and chatting to each other, and he'll probably just do exactly the same thing with predominantly the same team. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting debate. Yeah, Pete, it's interesting because I suppose in. Um... In Michael O'Neill's first reign, he went to three at the back quite a lot. And it felt like to me he went to three at the back quite a lot because he wanted to fit his Premier League centre halves into the team. He had to fit Cathcart, McCauley and Evans in because we didn't have a, a, a massive plethora of Premier League players there, but three of them were at centre half. So he kind of did that just to get those three in. Whereas now, it feels like he might go centre half because he's nobody to play on the wing. 
and as we've talked about before, and uh, go three centre halves because we've got nobody to play in the wing. Um, and I suppose that's the interesting one there. If you, if you do go for it at the back, who are your wingers? You know, Dave mentions Shane Ferguson there as one, and then I suppose we've got a few on the right hand side. But you don't, I guess, essentially want to be too negative if you're doing that. Obviously, if you're playing four three three, then. All of a sudden, if you're going McNair and Savile, they can't take up those attacking positions quite as much because they have to give protection to the fullbacks who aren't as protected. And there's all sorts of caveats that you have with these teams. But, you know, I, I don't know, in, in terms of matching them up with a 3-5-2, I'm not sure whether, whether that would be a negative or a positive tactic. And, you know, those wingbacks that we play tonight have loads of pace. If nothing else, Jamal Lewis has loads of pace. He can get back in. Bradley can get back in. And... If we do see Finland as somebody we can exploit on the in the wide areas, as Dave says, in a three at the back, generally there is space in the wide areas. And if we can do that like we did tonight, then surely that's the formation to go for. But of course, it's a very, very different opposition and they, they pose different problems for us. Yeah, you're right. It, I think it's difficult to say. I don't think I could say it's going like for like three at the back. I think when we've gone with three at the back in the past with the intention of playing these wing backs, we've ended up being very, very passive. It's become very pessimistic and we've just played a back five. Our wing backs get pushed back, which negates an attacking option for us. They probably would have been the, the attacking outlet. So I think I think he'll go for a back three. Um I think he'll probably opt for so I'd go for I'd actually go for the same personnel. In my 4-3-3, I'd have Washington and Savile on the wings, which he's gone for before. He's done that weird Savile position. He, but of, he loved doing it with Corey Evans as yeah, well. He does love playing a centre-half in the wings in these games. Tough games, he's gone for it. Um, and then, unfortunately, it's Kieran Brown who makes way. And then the question is at left-back if he goes for Ferguson or Lewis. I think he went for Lewis against... San Marino because he thought he'd be more effective in terms of output and creating chances. Ferguson is very, very solid and he's he's got a wonder goal in him, but he doesn't carry the same attacking threat, in my opinion, from what I've seen. So saying saying that in contrast, Lewis isn't as good defensively, has fragilities. So would he opt for Ferguson here? I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think 4-3-3. Three, three. It is interesting you mentioned that because Savile on the wing, I mean, all of our faces sort of fell there when you said that, but you're absolutely right. In his first stint, he loved Cordy Evans on the right wing. Yeah. And we always see the Michael, the great years of Michael O'Neill as brilliant football and the terrible years of Ian Barclough as terrible football. But there were times where just Corey Evans shuttling in between those two positions was, was so effective for us because he became an extra man in midfield, but also was, if nothing else, an option on the wing. And I suppose with the lack of talent we have, especially in the left wing, that is something he, he could consider. And he definitely, we mentioned that Netherlands game earlier. He does travel in the left wing against Netherlands at home. And we're really, really good for the first sort of 20 minutes of that game. So it seems like a negative tactic, but it may not be. Um, well, we play conventional wingers in the past. Yeah. And they've become isolated. They yeah. haven't been in the game whatsoever. They've become so detached from the central striker that but you know, what are they You also need to nullify. You're right, Pete, because they need to nullify their midfield. You know, they've got yeah. your man, Glenn Kamara, who I think is at Rangers. They've got a guy called Shula, who's very effective. A guy called Lord, who's very, you know, they're quite effective, quite a lot of caps. So we're going to have to try to, if, especially if they're playing wide, 
yeah. we're going to need to be quite compact, I think, and be making sure that um, we're not getting overrun, especially if they're, if they're, if they're going to go for that 3-5-2 or that 5-3-2 formation. But, but I agree with everything both of you have said, but there is a really strong caveat here. Anytime Pete and I have agreed on anything at all, <laughs> we have been completely wrong. <laughs> so it's 3-5-2. It's yeah. <laughs> four changes and we win six. And Kyle Lafferty's up top. Oh. <laughs> With Niall McGinn supporting him. As we, it's interesting you said there with being compact and you know, compactness is something that would massively welcome into his mind. Like, I don't think even if he had the players available, Michael would go with an out-and-out winger on the right wing, right-footed, and an out-and-out left-footed left winger. Um, you know, because I, I just think that's that's just a little bit too much for how he would like to start a game. He'd feel the might, he'd see how it goes. But I suppose, sure, Pete's team there, in theory, I mean, you can have other personnel in, but Washington, mm-hmm. if he plays in the right wing, is going to get close to Deion Charles. He runs those channels yeah. anyway, so we can do a little bit of that. And Savile's obviously going to naturally drift uh, drift infield as well if he wants to do that. So on paper, it seems a little bit negative, but in terms of being compact, certainly for the first half hour, do you feel them out? It might not be the absolute worst thing. I don't know what you think. It's interesting with the fact that I really like the Washington-Charles combo tonight. I think that ball in from Washington for the first goal was just was, was class. It was just a brilliant, instinctive cross in and Charles got on the end of it. And even for, for Lewis, for, for, the, for the second, you know, Wonderful sort of chip to the back post. Um, I think Washington will start. I think he's did enough in the game tonight. I, I think it makes a lot more sense for him to start than, say, McGuinness coming in. So I, I don't think there'll be much change there. It's interesting what you're saying about Savile. I completely forgot that Savile had played wide against the, the Netherlands um, a few years ago. Now, was that four years ago? The question I have in midfield is... Shay Charles, first prop. No, I mean I know he's like had four or five caps beforehand, but that was a that was a big call tonight. Um, and I was under the impression Shay Charles was more defensive midfielder as opposed to an attacking midfielder. Do you do you think he makes way for the likes of a more seasoned or experienced Jordan Thompson? What I think he might do, uh, and I'll come back to you, Dave, on this because it's funny how Dave's face is frozen and Dave absolutely hates Jordan Thompson, which is really funny. It's frozen. Who hates exact... him? Sorry, it's hadn't frozen. He was just <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Listen, we all have our own agendas, but but Dave, something I may I, I think he may try and do, and obviously he's going to set up different from Finland than what he did tonight. But I very much expected Charles and Savile to be a two as a base and McNair in front of them tonight. It became very opposite Savile. And McNair were taking up those attacking positions. I think he may keep the same personnel, but he may drop it to a two in midfield where Savile's been playing this season and playing well this season. It's a bit more protection for Charles. And if he goes for a four at the back, it's a bit more protection for the fullbacks as well. And maybe just goes McNair further up. And then that's an easy change you can make if the game's going in your favour and you need to go a little bit more attacking without making a substitution is kind of inverting that pyramid in midfield. Yeah, good Jonathan Wilson quote, by the way. Um, Thank you. No problem. For exposing um, me in that and making it out as if that wasn't my knowledge. But yeah, fair play. Yeah, okay. If anybody hasn't read that book, they'll read it. It's really, really good. Um, yeah, it was It was really interesting. It was It was a six and two eights tonight. That's what it was. Um, with the responsibility on Shay Charles to be that six, to be that really sensible um responsible player that 
just does all the right things. Um, and it's interesting because sometimes it isn't. You look at players' qualities, their stylistic um, preferences, whatever that might be. A lot of the time, what we as football fans don't recognise, it is players' ability to go out and do exactly what the manager wants them to do in the pitch. And I kind of feel like George Savile is one of those players where no matter what O'Neill tells him to do, he will go out and do it to a letter. We can go back to like Alex Ferguson years. There's a reason the likes of Darren Fletcher and Sung Park play all of these huge, huge, massively important games because if he gives them specific instructions, he knows that they're not going to switch off. They're not going to misinterpret them. They'll do exactly what they're asked to do. So maybe Shay Charles is one of those players. We don't know. Time will tell. Um, but yes, it's. I don't think it will be. The, it might be the same formation as tonight on paper, but I I don't think you'll see like a six and two eights as you did tonight um, against Finland. I think it will probably be more of a two and a one rather than a one and a two if he goes for the same you know, Dave, setup. Dave, you are allowed to just say you agree with me. <laughs> I know it's so hard. <laughs> do, you, do you think though... I Dave, don't disagree with you. <laughs> okay, I'll take, I'll take that all day long. Yeah, okay. Do you think he he went into this week, I'm actually quite interested to know this, going into this week with the idea of that was the starting lineup that he had in his mind or, you know, from the training sessions and seeing Shay Charles, because Shay Charles was a Barclough um, protege. He came through there, you know, I'm sure O'Neill was aware of him through, you know, the underage setups or what have you. But I'm, I'd be really interested to know if that that starting lineup was in his mind on Sunday or Tuesday, whenever he got the flight to San Marino, or what has he seen in training that convinced him otherwise, to Dave's point, to say, right, like I think Shay Charles or George Savile, they're going to follow my instructions to the letter um, and because what body of work does he have to go on Shay Charles you know he's not seeing him in the championship he's not seeing him in league one to think he is my man in this game to play that number six no he'll probably have watched a million videos of Manchester City under 19 and under 20 football or whatever it is um, mm. he will have seen him in training and you know Josh McGuinness is another one we all know his limitations as a footballer but he's one O'Neill always goes to because he will do exactly what he's asked and for a team like us, like that's the key. When you yeah. have a manager, when you have a manager that knows what he's doing, a manager that has a track record of being tactically astute, the one thing he needs is players to be able to carry out that plan on the pitch. Talent is secondary to that, you know. So, if Shay charges that, then all the better because he looks like an incredibly talented kid. Connor yeah, Bradley, exciting, we can actually. say the same thing about Connor Bradley too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose in terms of the, the every debate is going to be sort of how pragmatic you go or how much you change it. Do you go with the same personnel based on tonight? But what has he really learned from tonight in terms of we knew that personnel was going to go out and get the job done? And that that brings us on, Pete, to the Hume versus Bradley debate. And if you want to reduce it to something very basic, Bradley seems like the more attacking fullback. He plays uh, on the right wing for Bolton. He's been playing very well this season, whereas Hume has always been that more defensively solid option. Do you think Michael might be tempted by Hume for this game? 
or do you think he goes Bradley again, especially with that recovery pace? And I think it'd be very, very tough to drop Bradley for this one, even if that even if that was the plan the whole time. Yeah, I I think it'd be a lot tougher to drop Bradley tonight than it would be to drop Lewis, if that makes any sense. I don't think Bradley is. I mean, Bradley performed terrifically tonight, continued his form that he's been showing for Bolton all season, and still a really young player with so much potential. Like he's going to have challenging matches. He's just going to have to work his way through them. And I think that's part of his progression as he moves forward in his international career. He's going to have to come up with challenges or come up against challenges and work on how to deal with them. So I I think, I think Bradley will, will start. I don't think there's going to be any changes there. Saying that I haven't watched a huge amount of, of Hume, can't say I've been following him too closely apart from his international games. So I'm probably not best qualified to give my opinion on Hume and what his strengths are in contrast to, to Bradley. He's very robust. I watched the, the game the other the other day, Pete. Um, Norwich, yeah. funny if Pookie was playing and the, uh, Norwich played Sunderland. And it was good to actually see Ballard and Hume up against Pookie. Uh, so does, um, what's his name? Centre-back for Bolton. Toll. So, to, yeah, Toll. So, Toll and Bradley play together. Yes, and Charles. Yeah. Yeah, and Charles. So, there's, comb- there's combinations developed, not quite West Brom, but <laughs> <they're> developing, <laughs> we're developing combinations at club level. Dave, you, um, Liverpool, you love Liverpool and you hate Linfield, so I assume you're playing Collard Bradley here. Those are both. Um, two pieces of factual information. Um, but look, Trey Q may be a really good footballer. I, I'm like Pete, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup, to be honest. You know, Connor Bradley looks to be genuinely a class act. Um, there's been a lot of hype around him at Liverpool. He's rated very, very highly. I think they've looked at him and viewed him as, you know, developing into like a box-to-box midfielder. Someone who can influence the game from the centre of the pitch, who can do it all, who can be that six, be that eight, get up and down. And you can you can see that. You can see him breaking the lines through the middle of the park, getting to the edge of the box, playing one-two, shooting from range. We've seen him do that for Bolton. You know, you saw him do it tonight early on. That was it was, I think, headed over the bar for a corner. So for me, I think Bradley is one of those players that you just have to get him in the side. I genuinely think he is that good. Um, if you do go a four-three-three, he might be the guy that is the right-hand side of that front three because you know we can get him behind and deliver. And you might have Trey Human behind him, but I don't think you are considering those two guys as competition for one another. I don't think they're similar footballers from what I know. I think Bradley is certainly more front foot. I think Hume would be certainly viewed as more of a fullback than than Bradley would. So again, it might be only it might be horses for courses. We just don't know. But for me, Connor Bradley is we've lost, like I say, players a number of players that were playing week in, week out in Premier League football. We don't have that anymore. 
Like, let's be honest, you look across that squad, we don't have it. When we had Davis at Southampton, we had Evans, Cathcart playing at Watford, you're a mate in the, in the Premier League. You know, Chris Brunt. Capitano. Yeah, <laughs> Chris Brunt, Gareth McCauley. We don't have that anymore. So we are going to have to start to look at where is the talent. And he's got to be probably top three or four players in the squad at the moment in that regard, for me anyway. Yeah, 100%. I, I was really impressed with tonight. I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, we've all talked about, we've all sort of gone for different formations. I would I would personally stick with three at the back. I don't know if I've said that already. And I think we'd all go for certainly Dion Charles and Connor Washington in the team one way or another. Is anyone disagreeing with that? I think we're, we're all picking them, whether it's on the wing or whether it's in the centre. I think we're all picking Dion Charles and Connor Washington. So nah. I guess you're not. Nope. Who are you not picking? I'm not picking Washington. Okay. I'm going a really controversial. Bradley on the right of the front three and Shane Ferguson on the left of the front three. Charles through the middle? Charles through the middle. Okay. Sure. I think uh, Ferguson will probably come in for Lewis. Okay. But I don't see why you would drop Washington tonight as after tonight I think he, he put in a good shift and the other thing about it is I think it would be wrong of us at home to opt for a more defensive formation I think that we were not overly effective I think with that top man up front it's different whenever it was McGuinness was the focal point you know he's big he's stronger than than, than Charles Charles doesn't have that presence he doesn't have that height doesn't have that stature to the same degree. Uh, I can understand the reason for it because you're going for probably two more natural wide players with Ferguson and, and, and Bradley. But I think Washington starts because he he offers a threat. He's got he's, he's very direct with his running. I think he'll harry their defenders. Um, and I think Charles always needs that foil alongside him to be as effective as he is. Pete, front three or front two? Uh, two slash three, if that makes sense. Definitely Washington and Charles, and then Savile sort of flitting between the two. Of course, midfield or up top. He's going. So, he's going to get his goal. He's. Convinced. I thought it was going to happen tonight. He had chances tonight, didn't he? He did. He um, It's never going to happen for him. I love. I love the confidence of Trent outside of the outside of the <laughs> left foot shot. Given what the Northern Ireland fans think of him, and given like his record for the goal for Northern Ireland, like fair play to him. Like he has no self awareness whatsoever. But I mean, as I say, like that, that John Smith commercial habit. <laughs> yeah, Andy, what are you doing? I am sticking with three five two. Um, I'm 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 playing the exact same team actually. I'm same one, same same personnel. Everything. I'm I'm going the exact same team. Yeah, I'm not changing anything. I think. Yeah, I I I, I it would shock me if he brings Ferguson in for Lewis at this point. I think he'd be happy with Lewis. I think he'd say to Lewis whether he believes it or not. He'd say to Lewis, "You were brilliant tonight." You're back, you're back in form like you were for me the first time. Let's go forward with this. You're my left back. I think he's going to do that. I don't think he's going to change anything at the back. Um, can, Lewis, can Lewis do two games? And Well, that's that's the other question. He was goosed after 70 minutes tonight. But but also, you know, Michael O'Neill in the past, and like Northern Ireland teams have to plan these substitutions in. We know we have mm-hmm. players playing every week. And if we have to do Lewis for Ferguson on 60, we'll be absolutely fine with that. And I suppose... If that does become the tactic, then you look at probably get, you know, you probably look at a blitz in the first half, put all your energy into the first half while you've got these attacking players on the pitch. And if it doesn't go your way on 60 minutes, then maybe you shut up shop and just make sure you don't lose the game. But Andy, I think very Michael O'Neill to me. Do you not think? Well, they, 
Well, they conceded goals from crosses. Their last, the three goals tonight were all from crosses. Yeah. We scored both our goals from crosses tonight. Yeah. I think he'll look look to utilize that. And I know I said before the pod started, I'm always convinced myself during the discussion tonight that Ferguson will start. But I think he started Lewis for a reason tonight. And I think he had that in mind for Finland as well. I think if he didn't want him to start against Finland, I don't think he would have played Lewis tonight. I don't think he would have risked it for a player who's played seven minutes of league football all season. Yeah, yeah it, it will be an interesting one. But the great thing is about Shane Ferguson, what he's been for the last 10 years is a great backup left back. He's never been first choice, not when Chris Bump was playing, not when Jamal Lewis has been playing. Um and he, he's always excelled and he's always been absolutely fine when he came in. Is anyone doing anything different in the midfield? Anyone, I know you're certainly not throwing Thompson in. Is anyone else doing anything different there? Um, no. Maybe Thompson for Charles. For me. Thompson for Charles. And then who's your number six in? Is he going Savile in the six like he's playing this season? I think so. Six. Was it? You maybe do McNair in the six. McNair in the six. But then the way he plays tonight, he's, like, he's almost like a third. I would like Savile there. I know McNair is probably the most naturally defensively minded. Like he plays in a back three, you know. So that might be the thinking. So I, I think he's going to go for the, I think he's going to go for the exact same, and he's just going to bring Savile in. Whether he actually inverts it to a two and a one, I'm not mm. sure. But it's certainly th- they can't play like they did tonight. They can't leave Shea Charles out exposed against a team that's qualifying for major tournaments. I don't think anyone um, thinks he's going to do that. So yeah, I just wonder if the game's too big for Shea Charles. That's my only concern. You know, that guy, Glenn Kamara, in midfield, he's an experienced operator. They've got other players in midfield. But he's not somebody that's going to burst in behind the strikers either. He's a, no, he's he's a pragmatic not. player. And so, is, so, so is it Schroeder? Is the other player? Some, yeah. Something like that. Schroeder. So um, yeah. That's a physical battle in there. Yeah. It's massive. But that's why, yeah. That's why, that's a, for me, that's a fairly physical midfield. And we talked about this in the... In the Post San Marino podcast, um, Stuart, like Stuart, I don't know what you thought. Shea Charles to me tonight looked twice the size of Shea Charles in June. <laughs> like he looked like he's been, he's hit the gym he's, every morning. He's been eating a steak, hasn't he? Um, he has. Look, I yeah. think that's the that's the exciting thing about him. Like he is an athletic guy, um, and, and I like we do need that. We do need that bit of steel. I remember thinking George Savile when he first when he made his debut first. I thought he was like six foot three, and it turns out he's like five ten. He's five ten. You know, yeah. He, he, yeah, and I thought he had this presence about him. I, I, I know what you're saying. I like the idea of, I think if, if, Char, if Charles stays, as you say, you want McNair coming forward because, you know, the goals that he scored, the goals that McNair has created, he can do that. He's, he has that lung-busting lung runs, breaking through. You know, he can cross the ball. I don't think his set pieces are particularly good. And actually, sorry, one question I was going to ask. I think our set pieces are absolutely atrocious. And I don't know going into this Finland game where we need to take advantage of them, who the hell takes we, we, them? We tried to positively frame this in the in the post-match show in saying that we actually had a plan. It didn't come off, but we had a plan for a couple of short set pieces, and we said that that, that third one where Charles just overhits the pass, if he gets that pass right, we'll win. Yeah, well, there's, yeah. there's a second one where it's a complete disaster, oh, but at least they're working on something. And as we always say in every podcast... Ian Barclough yep. famously said we never worked on them. And for me, is right that the now, stupidest thing for anyone to yeah. say? Like, yeah, the plan <laughs> was kept. The plan was no, 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 no. It's kept not the stupidest the thing box. for anyone to say because Stephen Cregan said at least three things more stupid than that tonight. Oh right, well, yeah, I I had silence in the England commentary on in the bar that I was in, so I would so, probably rather so, hear Stephen Cregan. So, what, 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 what was the one? Um, the ball was need, too hard. What was? We need to start to do like a section 
which is just Craiganisms. Craiganisms, yeah. Just like five minutes each. You know what, Ben Harshaw will absolutely love that. <laughs> so, 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 so there were good Craiganisms tonight. What, what was the one about the, the ball being too hard, Pete? You mentioned that. What can I always just said it looked really hard. The ball looked too hard to be playing. <laughs> he tried crazy. to chalk. He tried to chalk Dion Charles's second goal off him, saying it might be an own goal. I'm sorry, Stephen. Have you never heard of a deflection before? Absolutely crazy. Um, and I'm I sure love- well, he's a world better than Steve Lomas when he did it. He was, I think, the worst school comedy in the history of the world. Well, listen, listen, the bar. Is certainly low, um, and, and we lower it. <laughs> well, of course. Well, what do you expect? Bring back, bring back Jerry Armstrong <laughs> with his with with his try hard Spanish language pronunciations. Yes, I do miss that on Sky. Um. Anyway, right, we're gonna start to wrap. Yeah, Mallorca. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite. One. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's wrap it up. Score Healy. Yeah. <laughs> Score prediction, Dave Dunning. Uh, one nil loss. One nil to us. Poof. Pete. No nil. <laughs> Horrible, sure. pessimistic little. No, no. That's not pessimistic. That's optimistic. Clean sheet. That's pessimism in yeah, itself. Perfectly. <laughs> Home clean sheet, please. I'm going to Dion Charles opens opens the scoring. Ant Man with an 80th minute equaliser, and in the 90th minute, Big Josh off his eyebrows into the net after three deflections. Two one. I would love that. Two one Northern Ireland. Um, I'll, I'll go two 0 Northern Ireland. Let's just two let's nil. Just, let, listen, on. let's just imagine that it's the Norway and it's Czech Republic. <laughs> all over again and we're brilliant again and we're going to qualify again and everything's fine and by the end of this qualification campaign we're all having a big party back in Belfast and we've all forgotten Ian Barclough ever existed that's my way of thinking okay and if that keeps me happy Pete until June then that's exactly what I'll do and there's absolutely nothing that you Dave, Stuart, or anyone else in this world will do about that, okay? It may be complete fallacy, it may be incredibly naive but that's the way I'm thinking, right? Any other business before we finish? Just up the really miserable Pete Baker podcast. <laughs> no, no. I'd, I'd take I'd take ten points from this campaign. Ten no, no. Oh, we can't can't even do that. Twelve then. What twelve what stand is in danger of collapsing this time? Because I was in the cop twenty four hours before it was condemned last time, and I remember we were two 0 up. They scored within the ninetieth minute, and That's it was right, the yeah. everyone was leaving the cop, and then they scored. <laughs> and there's just selections of people like grabbing anyone near them just because they had a corner laid on to equalize it was absolutely awful but yeah it, it's bets that the, the, the cop gets uh, gets condemned again well let's see if it's the same result as it was in what's that 2014 or is it 2015 yeah 2015 at that point then we'll all be laughing on Sunday night we will be back for a post-match show after Finland hope you enjoyed that um if you are listening to this after the event, we are recording this on the on the Thursday night, or as it is now, the Friday morning. Uh, we've all got work in the morning, but let's not worry about that. So if any other players are injured, you know why we haven't talked about it. So yeah, thank you very much for listening. Tune in after the Post Finland podcast. Like us on all the social media. Subscribe on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. Um, and see you next time. Thank you very much to all the guys who've been on. Bye-bye.